Some days are terrible, you wish that you were dead And some days are magical, like great banana bread Someday we'll be friends with the voices in our heads The voices in our heads Hello, you guys, and welcome to The Voices in Our Heads I'm your host, Christina Marie Hutchinson Thank you, I'm happy you're here Are you happier here? I hope so. Um, Let's get this shit out of the way. Uh, Come see me live. I do. I'm a stand-up comedian. You should come see me live. Um, These are a couple dates. There's just four. So relax. It's okay. Um, If you're in New York City, Thursday, November 14th, I'm hosting a show at uh, the Stand with Justin Silver called We're Not Banging. Because we're not banging. You should go to that. And then if you're in New York City, also Saturday, November 16th, Wendy Starling and I host Glamour Puss. If you live in San Diego, California, good for you. I'm going to be there November, what I put is the 21st of the 21st. But what I meant was the 21st of the 23rd. I'm an American comedy company. And then my motherfucking twat, Wawa twats, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, love you always. February 6th to the 8th, I'm going to be at Helium. There we go. That's all out of the way. I don't do ads, but a lot of people that have been messaging me by people, I don't mean listeners. It does sound like I did. Um, like companies, they're like, do you want to advertise? I'm like, I can't. No, but I might one day. So don't be mad at me, okay? You know, we all got to work to do money, to get money. <laughs> I'm in rare form. Okay, um, let's start out with a little life tip. And this is a weird one. So you're really going to have to bear with me, okay? I, this is going to sound really weird and possibly creepy, but I'm telling you, if you do it, I'm pr- pretty sure there's a really high possibility you'll feel more loving. Okay. This is something I do when I rollerblade, but it's also something I've been starting to do as I walk through the streets of New York City because there's just people all around. There's all kinds of people. It's great. But what I've been doing lately is I'll look strangers in the eye and it doesn't matter if they look at me or not but I look at their eyeballs, okay? Even if it's for a flash of a second. And in my head, this is a very important part, in your head, not out loud, like don't actually say the words. I say, I love you. You should try it. If you're, if you're in an area where there's another person around, just look at them real quick. I know it's weird. I know it's weird, but I'm pro- I, seriously, just try it. Because it puts me in a more loving mood and maybe it'll do that for you. Okay, I'm going to give you a second to do it. I love you. (laughs) Did you try it? How did it feel? Did it feel good? It might have felt weird, but it kind of feels good, right? (laughs) I don't know. Whenever I feel like um, I hate people, which is not that often. Actually, it's been often lately. um, I, I do this little trick. I just look people in their eyeballs and in my head I say I love you. And it just kind of, I don't know. It like lightens the mood, you know? I'm not trying to tell you, this is gonna make you feel like more like yourself, you're gonna be in your own body and you're gonna like be on this earth and feel the dirt. No, it just, it kind of just lightens the mood. Because how many of you are in a great mood right now? And it's because you're listening to me, it doesn't count as why you're in a good mood. Am I being presumptuous? Here's something else I wanna recommend. (laughs) This is a journal I bought and it's one of those books that you can get it like, you know, in Urban Outfitters or whatever. I have the Amazon link to it in the description uh, on my website. 
I'm having Emily, our the associate producer, uh, put all the resources of things I talk about in each episode on my website. It's ChristinaHutchinson.com. If you don't know how to spell it, good riddance, you know. Um, but I I purchased this book, and it's been really good. Um, it's a one of those books that you fill out. Like you, it gives you prompts and you fill things out. This is very simple. This is like the Twitter version of those types of books because I have several books that are like, fill in like your goals for like the year. Like here's the next five years and blah, blah, blah. And I've either been at a point in my life where I'm so bored and I have so much free time that I fill that out with too much detail or I'm kicking ass and I'm so busy that I throw the book out. This book in particular, I have used very often since I purchased it over the summer. It's called Good Things Are Happening, a journal for tiny moments of joy. Now hear me out, okay? Because I feel like if you're a guy, you're like, fuck this shit. Um, but this thing has been really helpful because one of the things that I think will help make your life better is just remembering big and small moments of happiness throughout your day because it's really easy to get disheartened, guys. It's hard out there. It's really hard. The back of this journal, just to give you an idea of what it's about, uh, it's a little description. It says, from the moment you wake up in the morning until the moment your head hits the pillow at night, opportunities for joy pop up in the most unexpected places. So true. These instances in our daily lives remind us that good things are happening all around us. This gratitude journal offers a place to pause, reflect, and record three tiny or big moments of happiness in your life each day, thereby allowing you to fully relish in life's simple pleasures. And basically most of these pages are just, hey, write down three things today that brought you joy. And here, I'll, I'll read you some of mine. It really brightens my mood. Between that and saying I love you to strangers and you're in your head, you're gonna be so much better after you listen to this episode, damn. Um, okay, so I'll read, like, yeah, most of these pages, pages just say, today's three moments of joy, and you just write it down. And that gives you an opportunity to sit down and go, what made me happy today? And if it's nothing, you gotta ask yourself some, some questions. And be like, why did I not experience even one second of joy? Even if it, you know, was while you were taking a shit, that's joyful, right? Taking a shit is really joyful because you're getting rid of the shit. God, I'm a poet. Here, okay. Oh, okay, here's one moment of joy I wrote down one of these days. Seeing Melissa, that's my best friend, do a back and front flip with Sean, who's her yoga teacher, on her last night in New York City. Oh, that was a really good moment. See, I'm glad I wrote it down because then I just recalled it to you guys and I like refill like the joy of like when I like felt the moment. Um, let's see, riding the ferry during the day and once at night. Ugh, Manhattan ferry guys, it's like 275. Oh, one time I wrote down rollerblading in Long Island City, babes on blades, babes on blades. Oh, <laughs> this was on September 4th. I just wrote B-Day with a heart. Beyonce Giselle knows Carter was born on this day. That's nice. Oh, this is, you know what? And you're experiencing another joy of buying this book. It's really fun to go back through them. I didn't really do that until right now. Uh, okay. Laugh. Oh, no. I don't want to talk about that person because I don't like him anymore. Um, oh, I put re-believing in myself. Oh, that's nice. Uh, 
No. See, these are all about this guy that I used to like. Damn it, Christina. Talk about other shit. Seeing my good friend's hard work pay off. What happened? Oh, I went to, oh, Ryan Reese. He's a comedian. He's one of my really good friends, and he is doing a documentary about being a warm-up comic, and it was so good, and I've been hearing about it for a really long time, and it was so nice to see a screening and go, dude, you worked your fucking ass off, and look at this beautiful product you have. See? And I wouldn't have thought of that unless I was reading this to you on a podcast, but it's because I have this book. Cutting roses into an arrangement. That's one of the things I read, wrote. That does bring you joy. That's like a simple thing. It's important to think about the simple things. That's the other thing this book taught me because I was just searching for these big monumental moments in one day. And it's like, Christina, you've had so many other moments that were tiny. Even if you just were in a terrible mood all day, there was something that happened that made you go, oh, I don't want to kill myself for a second. Uh, bantering on stage with Corinne and being gleefully in the zone the whole time. I still write like I'm a 12. Big Apple Circus with Melissa. See, this is, see, so what I'm looking at is a book chock full of really good memories. Um, yeah, you should consider buying this. I think it's like 12 bucks on Amazon. I put the link up in my website. Um, and it's just, it just, it's just a friendly reminder that happiness is free, okay? You just gotta like look out for it. All right. Hey guys, let's go into uh, some fuckboy theater. <laughs> So I'm not going to give you a trigger warning for this fuckboy theater because it's not like I assume people can't handle hearing this, but I will say that this conversation takes place between a white man and an Asian woman. You get the gist, right? It's not going to get pretty. So when I start this conversation, it seems as though they're having a pretty great chat. Things are going well. And then it takes a very abrupt turn. Here we go. Fuckboy theater. White guy. Asian girl. <clears throat> it's a state of mind. Well, after a few drinks, we'll vibe for sure. Besides, Asian chicks are obsessed with white guys. So we'll be good, I think. Ha, yeah. I don't think we're going to vibe. Good luck finding an obsessive Asian chick. Peace sign emoji. What the fuck? Why are you mad at the truth? Most Asian chicks are obsessed with white skin and white guys. Korea, China, Japan all idolize whiteness as purity. That's not true. I have a buddy in the military stationed in South Korea. Here we go. And he bangs tons of Korean chicks because he's white. Plus, number biracial relationship between Asian chicks and white guys. Prove me wrong. Even many Asian women are having surgery to look Caucasian. So don't be mad at the truth, you dumb bitch. <sighs> really want to give this guy's phone number out, but I won't. Simmer down. I'm not mad, but you sure seem to be. I said we're not going to vibe. Good luck with your Asian fetish. If most Asian chicks are obsessed with white guys, you shouldn't have a problem. Use your white privilege to your advantage. <laughs> Great response. Okay, bitch. That's why you sent me your photo and said you'd be DTF if we vibe. So don't deny your white fetish too. Stupid cunt. Those Asian girls want us white guys. Here we go. Easy bang. Not a fetish. Think about it. Yeah, 
Then you started talking, turned off, no white fetish here, intelligence attraction that you are lacking, good luck with your easy bang, sounds like you may need a release. (laughs) Hopefully one day you'll see Asian women as more than an easy bang. Prove me wrong that Asian women are not obsessed with white men. Koreans, Chinese, Japanese, Philippines, Vietnamese, etc. I could send you articles. (laughs) What the fuck? Sorry. I could send you articles. So basically, you're saying if you weren't turned off by me telling the truth, we would be banging next week if we vibes. (laughs) Hence, I'm also telling you, don't deny your fetish like many Asian girls seeking white men like me. I'm sorry you're turned off by the truth, so I apologize. How about a drink tonight and a better dialogue? I think you're hot. Thanks. And I'm sorry. We both need a release. Oh, I want to get his number out so bad. So why not keep it real? I'll behave more intelligently next time. I promise. And then, you know, like a person who even a little bit respects themselves, she doesn't respond to that. And the next day at 10.40 a.m., he says, Hey, I really apologize for my behavior and offensive statements. I was just drunk and felt terrible going over it. Please grant me a chance to say sorry over a drink. Can we just get one drink tonight? Justin. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, I gotta be a fan acting. Yeah, thank you. No, it was hard, but like I really like I read it like I rehearsed it like a lot and then I like recited and I was like, okay, I got this. You know what I mean? Oh boy. Huh. You know? Yikes. I gotta say, dating apps, um, these the messages that I get from people. And now from men too, because there's a lot of crazy chicks out there. And ever since I solicited it, I'm getting all their shit too. It's it's rough. I don't, kudos to all of us for not killing ourselves, to be honest. I really mean that. I mean that with all my heart. I'm, I'm very close to the issue of suicide, so I feel like I can talk about this. Kudos to us uh, for not killing ourselves. Um, we're really holding on. And you know what? This is what I have to keep reminding myself. I'm like, I would be way happier by myself alone which I am right now and I'm, in, I'm doing I'm feeling great then with somebody like that I mean come on you know what I mean can you imagine if there was ever a circumstance where the people who sent this shit had to have it read back to them in public if that isn't a tv show I there's got to be some tv people listening to this come on I'm just being cocky but I hope there is and if there is call your girl Okay. All right, let's do some random thoughts. The um this is a themed one this time. This is these are random thoughts that are all surrounding songs, music and songs. And <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to about to regret this, but we'll see. Um I was listening to a lot of Jewel lately. You know Jewel. She didn't got a last name, but she got fucked up teeth, but she has really poignant vocals. By vocals I mean lyrics. Jewel is, if you were born in the 80s or before, uh, you probably have an affinity for Jewel, as you should, because she's a great singer-songwriter. But she sings like a, she sings like a cartoon, 
and it's not bad. You know, it's not. It's she has a beautiful voice, but her 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 method is it's not questionable. It's just it's unique, and I'm I like it. What am I trying to say here? Uh, it's weird. It's weird. I but I like that it's weird. But she goes so hard on her weirdness in her singing, especially in live videos of her singing, that it's like wow. I gotta relax. Like I have so many not insecurities, but I'm like, oh, are people going to be weirded out by this or this or th like that I'm presenting or that I'm wearing or whatever the fuck, whatever like kind, tiny little thoughts go go through your head on a daily basis, especially if you're a chick. Um, but then I watch a live video of Jewel singing and I'm like, oh, she's letting her weird flag, not only is she letting it fly, she's dick slapping you in the face with it, with her weird singing voice. And I think that's really cool. And she, <laughs> oh, let me take a second to see if I'm going to regret this. Nah, whatever. Um, she sings weird. And so I was singing one of her songs to myself. And I was laughing to myself about my own impression of Jewel. It's obviously very um, exacerbated. But I'm going to do it on here. I wanna, <laughs> this, is how, this is how I hear her voice in my head. Okay, ready? <laughs> you know that song, Who Will Save Your Soul? Of course you do. It's really great. This is my impression of Jewel. I'm nervous. Okay. <clears throat> People live the lives that you are on TV. They say they're better than you and you agree. He said, hold my calls from behind those cold brick walls. Says, come here, boy. There ain't nothing for free. Oh, no, the doctor's bill, the lawyer's bill, another cute cheat thrill. You know you love them. If you put them in your will, but who will save your soul? And you won't say your own la -di -da -di -da -di -da -da like she manages to fit eight different characters into one song. I try to hustle, try to bust, I try to cuss, and the cops want someone to bust down on Orleans Avenue. What are you doing to share there? Another day, another dollar, another woman, another tower went up with a homeless at their homes. <laughs> so we pray a man during girls. I can't sing that I. So they are flowers, we call religion our friends. We're so worried about a saving our soul and praying to God to take control that we will be stupid. It's like she falls asleep in the middle. Who will sing? All right. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. And when I do it, I make myself laugh. There's another life tip you should try doing when you're alone in a room, not while there are people. This is like the alone version of looking somebody in their eyeballs and saying, I love you in your head, you creeps. When you're by yourself, next time you're by yourself, okay, I double dog dare you. Next time you are by yourself in a room, like that's your home, you know? Not like not like a conference room and someone's gonna about to walk into it and you're gonna get fired. Try, just sing, do your own Jewel impression of this song and see what you come up with. And if you're not in a better mood after you do that, you're a fucking goddamn robot. You're a sex doll. <laughs> <sighs> Oh, God. They say they love you, take their own money and run. It is my swell, sweetheart. But it was just a ton of dogs. I out on the streets, gals and bus young butts. I love the way she, she just really has the weirdest way of saying things. I think it's pretty cool. Okay, here's another random thought about a song that, <laughs> again, I might regret doing. But maybe I won't. Okay, there's a band. 
This is another 90s reference. It's called, they're called All Saints. Well, they were called All Saints. They didn't die, but they did break up. I'm pretty sure. And if they didn't, ugh. Um, they were great though, back then. I only know one of their songs and it's called Never Ever. Do you know that song? It's like, never ever have I ever felt so, that one, whatever, that doesn't matter. But what does matter is at the beginning of this song, there's a spoken part. It's like a spoken word part. And this girl goes on and she's like, she's like delivering it like a, like a pensive, like I'm a nineties like chick. And I'm like, I don't know, like you're fucking me over boy. Like, I don't know what I should do, huh? Like that's how she's reading it. And I was listening to that song the other day because I was trying to feel like empowered. And I thought to myself, what if they held auditions for All Saints before All Saints, the, the women that were in it, before it came to be what it is, they held auditions, you know? And all these people auditioned. And like this one girl from, from Long Island auditioned and she sings beautifully, but she talks like trash. And so, but they want her to, to sing the song Never Ever in front of them, like all the producers that are, are record label people, whatever, that are looking to put together this girl band. They want you to sing the song Never Ever, which includes the spoken word part at the beginning, which she cannot finesse. And I am going to bring up the karaoke uh, music on my phone so that I have a little accompaniment. Um, so this is... A Long Island girl auditioning for All Saints. Never ever. But she has to get to the spoken word part at the beginning. Okay, go. <clears throat> me, 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 me. I'm ready. A few questions that I need to know. How you could ever hurt me so. I need to know what I've done wrong. And how long it's been going on Was it that I never paid enough attention Or did I not give enough affection Not only will your answers keep me sane But I'll know never to make the same mistake again You could tell me to my face Or even on the phone You can write it in a letter Either way, I have to know Did I never treat you right? Did I always start the fight? Either way, I'm going out of my mind All the answers to my questions I have to find My head spin <laughs> Was that funny? <laughs> you know what's fucking weird about doing a podcast where it's just you? And there's just no one else in the room. You don't know if your jokes are going over well or not. So I just need you to know the the my vulnerability in this podcast is that I have no idea if any of the shit I'm saying is funny because there's no one here to be like, Christina, you're so funny. Wow. And I'm like, <laughs> I am right. I I don't know. I'm doubting myself the whole time. <laughs> just so you know, I doubt myself the whole time but it's okay just gotta breathe into it okay last random thought about a song <sighs> this one isn't funny this is just really serious have you motherfuckers listened to selena gomez's new song lose you to love me because holy goddamn hell 
that I had so many panic attacks listening to that song. That song should just be called, oh, come on. Come on. If you were a woman and you've ever put more into a relationship than your partner, I mean, you're going to you're going to lose your shit. You're going to you're going to give birth when you listen to the song. It's so it's the lyrics are so good. I like Selena Gomez. She's wonderful. And her songs are great, but nothing has ever punched me in the fucking face with my own feelings quite as much as Lose You to Love Me. you got to listen to this song, but if you're in a really sensitive place right now because you were being a woman who loves too much in a relationship, you're going to want to sit down and not be driving a motor vehicle when you listen to the song. There's this, okay, here's some lyrics. Oh, oh, I weep. I weep. We'd always go into it blindly. I needed you I needed to lose you to find me. Oh, just punch me in the goddamn face, feelings. I needed to lose you to find me. This dancing was killing me softly. I needed to hate you to love me. Yo. I am I am going through a situation right now that the the lyric I needed to hate you to love me was exactly what happened. It just happened yesterday, two days ago, two days ago. I realized I need to hate this person to have show respect for myself. And I listened to this song because Corinne was like, oh my God, it's like really, really good. And I'm like, cool, I'll listen to it, like whatever. And then I did and I did it and made the mistake of listening to it in public with my headphones on. I was walking down the street. Oh my God, you would have thought I just lost my entire family in a car accident in front of me. It was bad. I was bawling. I had to go inside a 7-Eleven. That was the nearest store to me. I'd go inside a 7-Eleven. I'm like, you know what? No one's going to give a shit if I'm crying like that in 7-Eleven. And they didn't. And I was right. I needed to hate you to love me. If I had a nickel, and by that, I'd have one nickel. Because I only feel that way about one person. But boy, that was, uh, didn't didn't read about that on the pattern. The pattern app. The pattern app wasn't like, you're about to listen to a song. It's going to like send you into a dark space. Fuck you, pattern. It's a great app. You should get it. But that reminded me, okay, so that reminded me of something that I was told in therapy last week about childhood trauma. As you know, I'm obsessed with childhood trauma because I was a child who experienced trauma. And the odds are very high that you are also a child who has experienced trauma because most of us have, because trauma can be as big as a parental figure sexually assaulting you when you're a child. And it can be as little as your, your parent had depression and didn't really look at you much. Like that's gonna cause trauma. And you don't, people are so quick to, especially people who've actually experienced trauma. I, I found this, that if you've experienced trauma, you don't really want to admit that it's trauma. The first time a therapist told me that I experienced trauma, I was like, you're being really dramatic right now. And she's like, uh-huh, okay, well I'm not, so. I'm like, no, you're being dramatic. And then after she explained it to me for a year, I was like, you know what? I think I had childhood trauma. And I did. And it's possible that you did too. I don't know. If you didn't, good for you. Please do something where you interact with a lot of people as a living because we need more non-traumatized people to just kind of heal us a little bit. I really feel. Um, but one of the things my therapist has said to me because um, I was really reeling over the situation that made me relate to that Selena Gomez lyric, um, I needed to hate you to love me really hard and was really bugging me and I couldn't understand why I was doing it and my therapist was explaining to me 
a a child's nervous system just physically it cannot it is not equipped a child a child's nervous system is not equipped to handle a large emotion so if a parent is being emotionally absent for example and the okay so for take me my mom was bipolar she was very heavily medicated when I was younger and as a result there would be periods of time where she would I didn't know if she was going to yell at me I didn't know if she was going to cry to me and I didn't know if she was going to look at me and say hey I love you how are you know I didn't I didn't know what mom I was about to get so I was walking on eggshells um but my therapist said to me that if a a parent is emotionally absent like the way my mom was a child cannot physically handle that feeling because that means that your parent will not provide for you when you're born it is instinctual you understand that this person who I came out of is responsible for my food my shelter, changing my diaper, survival. They are responsible for survival. And so if that parent is acting like they don't give a fuck about me, your nervous system that young cannot comprehend that feeling and that fact and that emotion. So what you do is you turn it on yourself and you say, well, it must be my fault. There must be something I can do to get them to take care of me, get them to love me, get them to feed me, whatever the fuck it is subconsciously. This is all subconscious, by the way. And... And so if it's you, that means that you could, there can, something can be done about it. Something can be done to repair this relationship I have with this parent. And so it's really crazy because none of this is you're thinking in your head. None of this, you're like, you're not a fucking five-year-old sitting down. You're like, you know what? Mumsy doesn't really seem to pay attention to me. So maybe if I do it, a little tap dance, she'll take care of me. These are not thoughts that you're actually thinking, but this is what your nervous system just, this is what your brain just goes to for survival. And it's one of the many reasons why children are the most resilient motherfuckers that their brains, their survival mechanisms that are built into our brains are really uh, impressive. And so basically, when your parent is absent, you can't handle the fact that this person isn't paying attention to me, but if it's my fault, I can do something about it and I'm going to tap dance or clean the house or get the best grades or tell my mom I wanted to be a doctor even though I want to be an actor. You know, you're gonna, you're kind of, that's, that's where your, your reasoning is gonna, gonna go because you're doing it to make this parent happy. And that pattern will just eventually travel into your adult life when you form bonds. And this is all things that my therapist is saying to me. If you are, you know, believe a different set of beliefs, that's fine. But I kind of get what she's saying and I like it. And on Guys We Fucked last week, I talked about, I was in a bad mood over that person. And, um, and somebody had sent me a poem that really resonated with me. And I think it's because my soul is a little damaged from the childhood trauma shit. And so when a romantic situation doesn't go the way I want or when I feel really betrayed or really, really hurt by a romantic person in my life, I just feel it's the most vulnerable I'll ever feel. And it's the most out of control I feel. I feel like I just want to like break something. And... Uh, somebody sent me a poem on Instagram and I wanted to read it. This isn't funny. It's more s sad, poignant, however you, wanna, however you wanna take it. But this poem is by a woman named Veronica Schofstall and it's called After a While. And it just reminds me of healing after something romantically ends. Okay, I'm gonna put on my best poem voice. <clears throat> after a while, you learn the subtle difference between holding a hand and chaining a soul. And you learn that love doesn't mean leaning and company doesn't mean security. Oh, that hit home. And you begin to learn that kisses aren't contracts 
and presents aren't promises. Oh, just stab me in the soul. And you begin to accept your defeats with your head up and your eyes ahead, with the grace of a woman, not the grief of a child. Oh, that hurt. And you learn to build all your roads on today because tomorrow's ground is too uncertain for plans and futures have a way of falling down in mid-flight. After a while, you learn that even sunshine burns if you get too much. So you plant your own garden and decorate your own soul instead of waiting for someone to bring you flowers. And you learn that you really can endure, that you really are strong, and that you really do have worth. And you learn and you learn with every goodbye, you learn. I mean, what the fuck? I love poems. That's such a good poem. It's really difficult. I'm currently, to give you an idea of the state that I'm in, I'm in a weird, I'm in a weird frame of mind. Um, I set, I, I, I finally put boundaries up with, with a person and, um, and it's very, uh, scary to put boundaries up with anybody at all. And if, but it's also very empowering. And so I'm in this weird state where if I think about the relationship I had with this person, I get sad, but then I get really angry right, right away. And then I get calm. It's the weirdest, bizarre thing. But I feel like when you're doing something out of self-respect, it feels like this. It feels a little weird and a little shaky if you're not used to making moves that are out of self-respect. Um, but it also, in, deep down in your gut, you're like, this is the right thing to do. And I'm exercising my badass bitch license. Do you know what I mean? Of course you do. <laughs> and now on to the best book I've read this year. I have been listening to the audiobook of of this um, pretty much every other day, I would say. That's a pretty accurate average. It's called You Are a Badass, and it's by Jen Sincero. And like I said last week, I have paper copies of this and I have the audiobook. I listen to the audiobook a lot because I do a lot of walking in my day-to-day because I live in New York. So um, I just hammer away those words in my head. Sometimes I'll fall asleep to the book and I'm like, maybe if like I'm dreaming, but then her, she's saying all this smart shit in my head, I'll wake up and I'll be like a smart bitch. And I will respect myself and I'll like go after my goals. Um, but this book is amazing. That the, the subtitle of this book is How to Stop Doubting Your Greatness and Start Living an Awesome Life. The title, when I saw this book, I'm like, <laughs> but then I was feeling really down. That's always when I turn to a self-help book is when I'm at my lowest. But I was feeling down and I was in an airport and that's really sad. And this book with its bright yellow cover was just kind of staring at me from a Hudson newsstand shop. And I was like, you know what? I'm at my wits end. What do I have to lose? I'm so glad I fucking picked this book up. This is an incredible book. And it's not, if you're a man listening to this, it's not just like a woman thing. Um, I know a woman wrote it and I know the title is You're a Badass. I feel like if a man wrote this type of message for a man audience, they'd be like, you're a fucking wolf. You fucking stallion. Go cut, go break a glass bottle over a fucking barbecue, you fucking badass. I don't know. It'd be called something else. Um... But I really do think that men and women and everybody can get into this. This Jen Sincero is a really good writer and she's really good at narrating her books. She does not sound condescending when she narrates. And I think that is a really good skill because your girl has purchased a bunch of audiobooks 
that I was very excited to, and they were read by the author, and it just, the author had a terrible voice and a terrible way of saying, it was like, what are you, the jewel? You are the best at something down in your throat, living a great life, like, come on, just fucking read it like a person and make me into it. Um, so I'm just going to share some fun little gems that, um, that I've, that I copy and pasted or typed away furiously, um, for this episode of the podcast while, you know, I was listening to this book. Um, this quote, some people are too committed to their own dysfunction. That quote made me stop in my tracks because I realized that I have this narrative in my head. We all tell ourselves stories about ourselves. And do you guys realize that this shit's all made up? Yes, maybe that is how you typically behave, but did you ever stop to think that you fucking keep behaving that way because you tell everybody that that's how you behave or that's what you tell yourself? This is just how I am. I do that shit and it's not fun to come to terms with. It's not, it's like a, one of those realizations that you'd rather be in a room alone when you make it because you're like, oh, I'm full of shit. I tell, I, one of the, one of the most common ones, it's common for me and I think it's common for everybody is, oh my God, I'm so busy. I don't have enough time. Like a lot of times when I do comedy shows, comics will be like, hey, how are you? You know, and you know, like a person and but my go-to when a comedian asks me this, just because I'm like, you're in the business, I can talk about work with you, is like, oh, I'm so busy. I don't have enough time to do anything. And I go on this diatribe. And then I read this book and I and I stumbled upon the part where Jen Sincero says, some people are too committed to their own dysfunction. And I'm like, you bitch, Christina. You just go around telling people that you you feel like you're getting pulled in 12 different directions and then you can't do anything about it and you're at the mercy of your schedule. Bitch. No, you're not. You have time. You keep, this is the narrative that you keep on repeat, that you tell everybody. So of course you're gonna act as if you're overwhelmed. And no one likes that, by the way. If you have an office job, chances are you have one person in your office that's like, oof. <sighs> Don't give that task to Todd. He's gonna get real stressed out. You know, like the person who's just, if you just, if you just blow on their shoulder lightly, they're gonna blow up and they're gonna, they're gonna melt away. Like they're so on the verge of a nervous breakdown because they're so overwhelmed. A lot of times those people, they all they talk about is how overwhelmed they are. And it's like, yeah, no shit, motherfucker. You're talking about how you're just like this crazy psycho, you're pulling your hair out, you don't have enough time to do anything. If you shut the fuck up and actually took a deep breath, you could get your shit done. And look, if that's you, don't worry, that was also me. <laughs> but I read Jen's and Cheryl's book. I'm like, I'm fine now. I'm not, but I'm getting there. Ooh, okay. There's a section in this book. It's called, How Would I Feel If I Wasn't This Way? So talking about any certain behavior that you have that you're not happy about, that causes you stress, that you want to change. One of the best ways to release a lousy behavior is to ask yourself, how would you feel if this wasn't true for you anymore? How would you feel if, how would I feel if I took the pull out of my ass about everyone doing everything exactly how I say to do it all the time in every circumstance? Ask the question and then imagine yourself as the person who has let it go. How does your body feel? Feel into the reality of what it would be like to let this go. 
yo, your girl read that. And I was like, I'd have paused that shit for hours. I, there was, there's so many qualities that I have that I'm like, man, if you weren't like this, it would be great. But what that does is you beat your, you just continue the beat, punch yourself in the fucking face train. That's the train you're on. If you're like, if I only, if only I didn't do this, you're on the punch yourself in the face train. But if you do what she just said and you're like, wait a second, okay, I don't want to be, I don't want to have a stick up my ass. Well, I know somebody who has a stick, like who doesn't have a stick up their ass. You have to know somebody or imagine somebody, make it the fuck up. What if I didn't have a stick up my ass? What would it be like? How would I, like what clothes would I wear? How would I walk? How would I talk to people? Would I be more polite? Would I be more kind? Would I notice more things about people because my head's not up my own asshole? It's a great tip. She also has a lot of quotes from very well-known people throughout this book. And one of these quotes is by Winston Churchill. And the quote is, success consists of going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. Winston Churchill. Yo, Winston. Okay. I really like that quote because you have to, failure, you, okay, let me tell you something. If you're in a career where it's something like the arts, where hard work is definitely part of the equation, but luck is definitely really part of the equation. If you're in a career where luck is a part of it, it can be very nerve wracking because you're like, I don't know what the fuck to do. I feel like a chicken running around with my head cut off. I don't know what to do. If you look at failure hunger, like with a hunger, look at failure with a hunger because let me tell you something. I have, you, okay, people in comedy, when stuff goes well and they start getting recognition, they'll get meet, you get meetings with TV networks, okay? And, and it's very, if you're in this business, it is likely that you know that getting a television show on the air is one of the hardest things to accomplish because there's so many factors that go into it that are just out of your control. It truly is a monumental feat to get a television show on the air. Despite what you may see on TV, you're like, well, like that show's trash. Like why the fuck? No, 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 no. That show had to go through a very long process to get on the air. So so that's something that is easily, you can easily feel defeated. If you're a comedian, you can easily feel defeated. Going on all these pitch meetings or even going on general meetings to networks because that's really what is in the back of everybody's head when you're doing a general with a network. And so you have to pitch so many TV shows, unless you get really lucky, um, in order for one to work. So that's something in my career that I that has really disheartened me. And what I've done is I go, you know what? I'm going to fail 99 times, but I'm going to succeed once. It's like a it's like a guy with catcalling. This is not a great moral example, but it's true because this is what I'm told. If they say, hey, mommy, to 97 women, and then the 98th one's going to say yes, they stuck it out, and look, they were right. I don't know what the quality of that relationship is going to be. If I had to guess, maybe it wouldn't be that great, but who knows? So what I'm basically trying to say is have the confidence of a dude who catcalls with this shit and go, you know what? I am going to get a lot of failures, but you know what? I'm closer to that. Yes. Don't harass people. That's not nice. And that's illegal if your country cares about you. Um, some other quotes from this book. Ugh. Don't miss out 
in the glorious opportunity to learn what's being handed to you by a person whose mouth you'd rather stick your fist in. The things that bother us about other people bother us, and this is really hard to hear, at least for me. They bother us because they remind us of something we don't like about ourselves or their behavior triggers a fear or insecurity that we have but may not realize we have these qualities. And that part also punched me in the face much like Selena Gomez's latest song. But not with my feelings. That part punched me in the face with my own ego because there are people in my life that I hate. And it's not because... They've strung me along romantically and a lot of time went into me hating them. Sometimes I just meet a person and I'm like, I fucking hate you. Like, I don't, I like, almost feel bad about it. I'm like, you bo- you bother, your existence fucking bothers me. There's a couple people, I think, I would say maybe three in my life that when I see them, I'm like, yo, fuck this shit, I'm out of here. They did not do anything wrong. They really didn't which is partially why I feel bad about it. But I'm like, I don't fucking like you, you little weasel. And that this part of you are a badass where it's talking about if you don't like something in a person, it's probably because, bitch, you have that. Or you're afraid that you possess this quality. And it made me think back. This is why I didn't enjoy this section, but it was, I think it's really healthy to go through these thoughts. Maybe go back and revisit the three people in my life and I'm like I can't fucking stand you man they're all men it's not a guy thing it's just they happen to be all men um and I go why don't I like that person I'm like okay this one guy I feel like he's I think he's a weasel I don't know why he just seems like he's he's just a weasel like I don't like him Ugh. he's a backpack and he's fucking I don't know it's just his his face bothers me but then it made me think like what actually what is a what is the visceral reaction I'm having to this person when I see them and I'm like, ugh, you're a little weasel. Like you're a little like schemer. Like, you're just trying to be liked. And then I dug deeper. This is some deep shit and some honest shit. And I don't know if I'll be, whatever. I'll, I won't regret this. I dig deeper and I'm like, wait, I'm secretly afraid that I'm a poser, piece of shit, loser who's always lurking around trying to belong somewhere and trying to get accepted. And it's so glaringly obvious and everyone hates me. And that's why I don't like that guy shit and then what's what's the real mind fucked is you every time you thought about that person you get angry right it's kind of like it's like i'm not mad that i'm angry it's kind of like yeah let's get mad about this fucking twat and then you're like well i don't have that joy anymore and you're like what why did i get joy out of thinking this guy was a twat and you really go into the matrix this book is good because it i've had to pause it so many times and just sit and go well shit Fuck, Jen Sincero, you really hit me with these truth bombs. So yeah, think about the people in your life that you're like, I can't fucking stand that guy. And just ask yourself, she might be wrong. I'm not saying just because you can't stand somebody doesn't necessarily mean that they have a quality that you're afraid you possess or that you don't want to ever possess. That might not be the case. You might just, they might have punched your wife in the face. And that's a good reason to hate somebody. You know, you don't have to do the whole you know what, they were probably punched in the face when they were a kid. You don't have to be that understanding. Actually, it's probably better if you aren't. It's exhausting to be understanding. You know how fucking tired I am because I understand where everyone's coming from? Fucking Pisces ass bitch. That was to me, not you. Um, yeah, she says, if you don't actively like something, it's because it resonates with you on some level. Because it has meaning to you. 
None of us care to admit that we're mean, bossy, stupid, unethical, lazy, etc. But that what's uh, but that's what attracted you to the people you noticed it in, and then to you in the first place. Ah, fucking right. People are annoying in a way that has nothing to do with us. We either don't notice it, or we don't get that hung up on it. And that's the line that really pissed me off because, man, that's right. If people are annoying in a way that has nothing to do with us, like if I'm not worried that I have this quality or I'm just not concerned about this is not a quality I want, we either don't notice it or we don't get that hung up on it. I mean, and then she gives an example of like, that's like if you're a person who's six feet tall and someone comes up to you and they're like... (laughs) Short fuck. This, I'm, I'm, this is not an exact quote, but this is the, the nature of the example. If you're six feet tall and someone comes up to you like, you short fucking fuck, you short piece of shit, you're not going to give a shit because you're six feet tall. You're not short. Who gives a shit? You're not worried that you're short because you're six feet tall. You know what I mean? Think about that one. That one had me shook a little bit. That one had me shook. Um, part one of the book. Now I'm going in order. I was choosing not to go in order until now. Um, this is a great quote. This is a be- the beginning of the book. She says, it's not your fault that you're fucked up. It is your fault if you stay fucked up. Ooh, let that one sink in, motherfuckers. When you were born, you had no idea you had a body or that you should be ashamed of it. You were simply a human being. While you explored and expanded into your new world, You also received messages from people around you about the way things are. God, that's so true. So if you, for example, if you're like my dad, my dad retired from the Navy. Um, He had all these odd jobs and they were really stressed about money and they would talk about it in front of me when I was like, you know, five, six, seven, you know, flea market kid age. Ugh. But we were tight on money. And so I was like, oh, I, I kind of, I learned to have this anxiety around money. And that really <laughs> spilled over into my adult years because I was so broke during college, but I had so much pride for whatever reason. I didn't even want my, to ask my parents for $20. I could have asked my parents for $20. You know, if someone gave me $20 when I was 20 years old, I would have cried of joy. I would have, I would have felt like a millionaire if you gave me $20 when I was 20 years old. That's how broke I was. But my parents always had this anxiety about money. So I had anxiety about money to the point where when I finally got a credit card, my first ever credit card was my sophomore year of high school or no, sorry, college. And your girl was given a $5,000 limit. And what's your girl go? She goes to herself. She goes, oh my God. It's like, I have $5,000. Drinks on me, you guys. It's okay. Drinks on me. I'm Christine. I have a credit card. I don't know if you know about this about me. I have a credit card. No, I'll get it. I'll get your vodka soda. It's okay. I have a credit card. Don't worry. Don't worry. Hey, don't worry. I have a credit card. $5,000. Thank you. I walked around as if I was King Tut because I had fake, I had fake money that I had to pay back double. (laughs) No one ever taught me about money when I was a kid. So, and my parents always had this like anxious energy around money. So I was always scared of money. And when I graduated college, oh, surprise to no one, your girl couldn't pay her college uh, loan bills. None of my loan, I could not make payments on any of my college loans. And I would get the bills in the mail 
because that's how that works if you live in America. And I would get them, but I would be, my heart would go on my stomach when I would see who it was from, Navient or whatever the fuck. And then they sold it to Kraft Mac and Cheese and then they sold it to Starbucks and then they sold it to Toys R Us and Toys R Us was like, we're closed, we're gonna sell it to Bergdorf Goodman's and Bergdorf Goodman's is like, well, you thought you owed 5,000, actually you owe 25,000. And you're like, where was I in any of this? I'm like, nah, don't worry about it, probably just being poor. But anyway, when I would get these bills in the mail, they would give me so much anxiety and I didn't want to face that anxiety over not having any money. So I would take the bills and I would throw them in the back of my closet, never to be seen again. They were seen seven years later, but that was a long gap. I just didn't pay my college loans and that fucked up my credit. And that $5,000 credit card I got in college, that was the last credit card I would have for a long time. So anyway, my point in all this is that a parent's attitude about money when you're a kid, that's going to teach you how to think about money. You're not born going, you know, I'm really nervous about money. You're born just going, eh, feed me, I got to shit. And, and then that all that stuff comes later and you learn how to think of things. You learn how to respond. You learn how to react. And then somewhere along the way, you learn what you feel and sometimes that doesn't happen until you're 31. Anyway, chapter six is called Love the One You Is. And she quotes Louise Hay at the beginning of the chapter. Louise says, if we really love ourselves, everything in our life works. And I know that sounds like mad fucking corny. But let me tell you something. It's true. And loving yourself is not easy. Unless you just do it automatically. Basically, if people think you're really cocky, it's probably that you just love yourself because it's so rare that people love themselves. And she tells a story about um, the author, Jen Sincero, tells a story about how her brother has a kid, Jen Sincero's nephew, and the, the kid was like two years old and he was picking up a beer bottle off the floor, an empty beer bottle. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny? She was like, and then it was filled and he drank it. And I was like, Whatever. Well, that's a real awkward moment in a self-help book. Anyway, no, the, it was an empty bottle and her nephew was picking it up and he lifted to pick up this bottle and he did it the proper way. So like you live, you don't lift with your back, you lifted your leg, like you, you tighten your, your arms and then you use your leg. You don't lift with your lower back. And this child who was two years old just knew how to lift this bottle instinctually. And then she goes on to say, when we're born, we have basic a basic understanding of the instinctual things in life that includes and goes way beyond bending at our knees instead of our lower backs to pick a beer can up off the floor. We're born knowing how to trust our instincts, how to breathe deeply, how to eat only when we're hungry, how to not care about what anyone else thinks about our singing voices, dance moves, or hairdos. We know how to play, create, and love without holding back. Then, as we grow, we learn from the people around us. We replace many of these primal understandings with negative false beliefs, fear, shame, and self-doubt. Then we wind up in emotional and physical pain. <clears throat> Me. Then we either numb our pain with drugs, I don't know, sex, done that a bunch, booze, TV, Cheetos, etc., or we settle for mediocrity. Or we rise to the occasion, remember how truly mighty we are, and we set out to relearn everything we knew at the beginning all over again. It's like we're born with a big bag of money more than enough to fund any dream of ours. And instead of following our instincts and our hearts, we invest in what other people believe we should invest in. 
Some invest in being cold and too cool for school when all they really want is love and connection. And as we continue to buy into this, these things that aren't even true for us, our inner fortunes dwindle away. And it isn't until we reconnected with who we truly are and start investing in what is true for us that we start to live rich, full, authentic lives. Oh my God, Jen Sincero, be my best friend. What? The, I mean, come on. Think about all the shit. All people who are, anybody who has any hatred towards anything, any type of person, any sexual orientation, anything, if they hate bricks, if somebody, okay, if somebody, I don't think anybody out there exists like this, but I don't fucking know. If someone's like, I hate bricks, they just hate bricks. Like, you know, what you build a house with, bricks. They didn't come out of the womb hating bricks. Somewhere along the way, their dad was like, oh, bricks suck, son. Bricks will kill you. I hate them. And you're like, wow, dad, I, you know what? I hate them too. Fuck bricks. And he's like, you can't say that word unless you're talking about bricks. And he's like, I know, dad. That's why I said it. Whatever it is. But we, we learn all this shit. And then we have to go, oh, wait. This isn't what I thought all this whole time. This is what you fucks thought. You fucks meaning your family. <laughs> um, and it, and it, this that part of the book really made me go back and go, oh, shit, you know what? Some of these behaviors is learned. Okay, chapter 17 offers, I love me a good activity, okay? And I'm just going to read from this cool activity that Jen Sincero talks about. Here's a cool exercise. Right now, look around wherever you are and count, and you should do this, count the number of things that you see that are red. Count the number of the things you see that are red. Take a minute and count them all. Okay, that's what, okay. Now, stop. Close your eyes, unless you're driving. Do not close your eyes if you're driving. I swear to fucking God. Close your eyes and try to think of everything around you that's yellow. There's probably a ton of yellow, but you didn't see it because you were looking for red. When you choose to focus, what you choose to focus on becomes your reality. Oh. I love me activity to prove a point. I mean, I don't even have anything to add to that. Okay, and then this is the last thing I'm going to talk about about this book. And I did buy it for 10 people. Thank you for emailing me. Um, my favorite chapter is chapter five. And it's called Self-Perception is a Zoo, which is just beautiful. Um, and she talks about how it is just as easy and as much effort to believe you're great than it is to believe that you suck. You hear me, asshole? It's just as easy to believe you the shit than it is to believe you're a piece of shit. I rewrote that Jensen Chero quote, Christina style. Thank you. You're welcome. And I just want to read this last passage to you as you go back to your regularly scheduled lives whether you're at work or you're driving or you have your headphones in and your kids like mom pay attention to me and you're like shut the fuck up I'm busy okay mommy's busy shut up wherever you are right now listening to this just really keep these words with you the I feel like these are really good ending words to this episode <clears throat> try seeing yourself in the eyes of someone who admires you they get it they believe in you leaps and bounds they aren't connected to your insecurities about yourself 
All they see is your true glory and potential. Become one of your most diehard fans. Look at yourself from the outside where your self-doubts don't crawl all over you and behold what shines through. You get to choose how you perceive your reality. You hear that? So why, when it comes to perceiving yourself, would you choose to see anything other than a super huge rock star of a creature? You are a badass. Yes, you. I have that part. You are a badass. You were one when you came screaming onto this planet, and you are one now. And this is where I really need you to listen, you guys. You are loved. Massively. Ferociously. Unconditionally. The universe is totally freaking out about how awesome you are. It wants to give you everything you desire. It wants you to be happy. It wants you to see what it sees in you. You are perfect. To think anything less is like a river thinking it's too slow or too curvy or that it's rapids are too rapid. You're on a journey with no defined beginning, middle, or end. There are no wrong twists and turns. There's just being. And your job is to be as you as you can be. This is why you're here. Do you understand me, motherfucker? I did that part. <laughs> to shy away from who you truly are would leave the world you-less. You are the only you there is, and you are the only you there ever will be. And I'm talking to you right now. Listen to this. I'm talking to you right now. Yes, you. Me? Yeah, you. You're the only you that will ever be. Do not deny the world. This is, I'm quoting her again now. This is Jensen Cheryl's words. Do not deny the world its one and only chance to bask in your brilliance. We are all perfect in our own magnificent, fucked up ways. Laugh at yourself, love yourself, and rejoice in the cosmic ridiculousness. I mean. And on that note, I'll talk to you next Wednesday. The mouths to pay. See, so bargain with the devil, but you're okay for the race. So